on the new Bay Hub podcast. Get, get, get the deep Bay Area vibe. Bay, 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 Bay Hub podcast. Let's go! Two Bay Area guys, Domingo and Neil. This is it. This is it. Welcome to the Bay Hub Podcast. I am one of your hosts, DJ Hella Good, up in this bitch, aka Spidey, aka Spider, aka Mr. Peanut, aka to the left, aka Mr. Sun, and I got my man. I am Mr. Motherfucking Neil. That's all you're gonna get. What's up, people? What's up, folks? Yeah. So welcome everybody. Um, we have a great, wonderful guest. I've been wondering um, how I can. Um, you know, actually it was a surprise that you said yes. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, I mean I've known you. I've known of you for a very long time, but not actually known you in depth. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know yeah. You, I know your talents. And I, I know where you've, you've been building and growing and um, it's inspiring for sure. And um, yeah, I just want to support and and support and give love to that. So we have the the one and only Fujiyama Dreskin. Um, she's a rapper, a singer, uh, an illustrator, um, a dancer, a filmmaker, um, you got it all. That's perfect. <laughs> what else does she not do? That's the thing. It's like, oh, damn. She has a lovely. You, you got a you got a nice soothing voice. When you I see you illustrated in your rap, you know when you're rapping, nice smooth, lovely Thank singing you. voice. Thank you. That's uh. What are we telling you? <laughs> telling you, you something you already don't know. You know, I know. No, you, no, like, no. Yeah. Sometimes it's not so calming, but when I go back to the calming voice and it gets me right, you know, I'm very like sound, meditative, really helps me. So I think it's kind of where it comes from a little bit. So you have a little bit of both. I've noticed, like uh, in your style, like you have fire and water. Yeah. So with yeah. that, like, um, does that have anything to do with your sign or like, how do you relate to those two aspects of your art? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I always love singing, but as I got older and just was introduced to more different kinds of music, especially by my brother, um, like hip hop and punk and metal and all that stuff, I definitely enjoyed expressing myself and I think more of a masculine way than um I was given the opportunity to sometimes so it was nice to be able to like really go out there and like be a rapper and and I still it just means so much to me to to have that freedom um but the singing is like you know if I'm freestyling like I'll do rap freestyles for a while and then I'll usually switch over to singing just because it's you know, I don't know how to explain it exactly, I guess, but um, I do kind of have, it's kind of funny you say fire and water. It's definitely, um, I am, you know, Sagittarius Capricorn, definitely in the fire zone. Um, <laughs> ah, and yes. uh, so that's my sun sign. Um, let's see, it's Libra moon and Aquarius is actually my north node. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to include all the aspects of the elements as somebody that's really like tries to put effort in my life into being um, more connected to, you know, all things energetic. 
And um, so I just kind of do my best to, to make a balance because I think that's something I've struggled with. And I've kind of realized you have to focus on one song and you, can, you don't have to do everything in one song. You can. Uh, <laughs> I try to do that because I'll try. I always want to do like, oh, you know, they always get the chicks to do the vocals, you know, on the rap songs. But I wanted to, do, you know, I wanted to do both. Yeah. So I try, you know, that's definitely a goal of mine. But um, it's also nice just to let either of them shine. So I appreciate you noticing that. Um, I got that. It's pretty hard for women to be considered rappers. Like it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like, even if they rap, if they also sing, usually people will consider them singers. It's kind of strange thing. It just takes extra and they're like, oh, they're just a pop singer, which is cool. Like I, there's, I, I have so much respect for everybody, but well, most people, Right, right, (laughs) let's keep it real. But, um, but yeah, definitely. So yeah. You have a a song, a couple songs, four songs I heard, and you have Mm -hmm. Homesick, which is a nice... Yeah, thank you. Not many people know about that one. (laughs) A nice little flow. Um, Then you have, and please correct me because I know I'm about to mess this up, Um, Hikamori... Oh, hikikomori. hikikomori. So hikikomori is like a word in Japan that's used to describe people who are like don't give anything to society they just like stick in their room and play games and like don't do anything and don't have a job and don't you like it's a very strange phenomenon in japan i mean it's not strange Mm. for japan but that's kind of where it originated so at that time in my life i was like super internet addicted and that's kind of what the song is about um you know the music video was my first really big production i did it in sacramento with like my family it was really supportive and um it was kind of like in the forest post-apocalyptic and the forest walking is representing dead. yeah i'm such i'm i mean my my feelings about walking dead have gone up and down but i stuck yeah. with it because i i really have been there since the beginning and <laughs> and honestly like greg nictero um and a lot of those main actors even though they're not there right now um made a really big difference for me in filmmaking so it inspired a lot of that music video um and then basically like yeah the forest was kind of the internet and i was roaming through it and then you know friends dying and um right. kind of reminds you how isolating it can be um kind of makes even more sense these days but that's that's hikikomori for you so it's uh doesn't have a chorus it's just a lot of rap <laughs> nothing wrong with that it looks like i looked at the very end and i had like a production behind the scenes yeah and it looked like you guys were literally having a good time you know Everybody with the makeup was fantastic on the zombie. Yeah. Yeah. I had um, uh, Nicole Cellelli, who is um, Vicious Vanity FX Studio. She actually won second place in one of those like face off competitions. And she's did me a solid. And she gave me, like, I felt, you know, definitely paid her for her services. But, um, you know, she definitely made an effort coming out there. Um, Her boyfriend was actually the one, the really zombified one with like this Star Wars mood t shirt. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's part of what really got me into just like recognizing I love filmmaking. I love costumes. I grew up doing cosplay back in the day before it was cool is what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's just people who love it, who just came out of their garage, like tape some shit together, whatever, you know, we're just having fun. And that's, I think kind of what you're picking up on is like, you know, I do like to keep schedule. I like to be organized. You have to be in film, like time is money, but ultimately having fun on set, I think that energy really transfers. And I think when you see a film that's really good and then you see the behind the scenes and you notice, wow, like 
it just has that really good energy where people are happy to be there. Like everybody's doing what they want to do and working in sync, you know, and filmmaking's like Murphy's law, like things will go wrong. (laughs) But um, if you have good people around you, then it's really not as bad. And uh, you kind of just learn to roll with the punches. But I still do that on my sets today. Like I get everybody together and I just do what I can to make sure it's a positive and professional environment. So people feel safe, but also like, you know what I mean? Like they can not be super judged or micromanaged. You know, I know what I want, but I hired them for a reason, if that makes sense. And your last one, I saw, I heard, and you look fantastic in the red dress, by the way, is Renegade. <laughs> renegade, and it looks yes. very cold out there. You're laying in the, laying in the snow. and uh, you No know, dedication and all that. I, I love it. <laughs> I had tell a vision. Us, tell us about that one. Yeah, Something so um, that was the first one that I did. Um, it was like right before the pandemic. And uh It meant a lot to me just because it was uh, a lot about just my personal identity, trying to explain and give an introduction to kind of who I am, where I'm coming from, Um, you know, whether it comes from like, like you're talking about the video, a lot of it included my rituals. So I have, you know, tarot and um, I definitely cleanse my spaces with everything from like tuning forks and crystals to um, sage. And I'm trying to kind of not do as much Palo Santo as I used to because it's now becoming a problem where people are like overbuying it and it's bad and stuff, which sucks. But, um, you know, whatever you do to clear your space for me, it's a very important way to start my day and connect with my ancestors and get guidance. And um, that's just a huge part of my life. So that's a lot of what that's about. And it's also kind of like, fuck all of the stupid, like, oppression of capitalist colonial society that has made us to believe that we are what we produce and that we should be machines and just like keep going and like no we're like a garden like we need different days we need different things and you can't just time everything like on this clock um you know so part of me was just being like fuck you about that um but visually I had a lot of fun I had a really pretty clear vision of what I wanted to do. And I just had one cinematographer and that was it. I did everything else. And she was, or sorry, they were fantastic. Like Sam Grabowska, they shot it on this really like vintage camera and it just ended up really nice. I'd like to re-edit it to be honest. (laughs) I was in kind of a rush, but you learn, you know, and I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. Um, It was a little chilly, but a Colorado girl right here. So I made it work. (laughs) Right, right. Um, with that said, so have you grown, like, what have you grown in terms of like making music or making art, um, leaving it the way it is? Yeah. You know, um, so I, I still save the voicemail that you left me. Um, and it's basically like, I was, I think we were texting or whatever. And it was like, man, I have so much shit I need to release. Like, I just, it's not done or whatever. And you were like, man, it's never going to be perfect. Like you have to embrace all these things. And it really stuck with me. I'm actually going to be definitely putting that voicemail on one of my albums. Oh, it's wow. so potent. Like I, I really kept, it meant a lot to me. It, it was very like um, what so many artists need to hear these days, because I think there's a lot of pressure for everything to be like hundred percent and you can't take it back and everybody's judging you, whatever. But ultimately, you know, if you have good work and you're confident in it, then whatever people say, it's like you know, it's not really relevant. Um, so as far as like growth and all that, and just learning when to let things go, I mean, I'm still learning, but it's getting a lot easier. I think, um, 
because I work in different mediums, like I have different, a similar, but slightly different process for everything and kind of ironing out that process really streamlines like the energy just to go where it needs to go. And everything's kind of set up. You just knock it down. Um, but it takes a while to kind of see what really works for you. And that's something I think I learned in art schools. Like a lot of illustrators have like a very specific kind of step-by-step process for their style so they can deliver it. You know, so um right, right. Yeah, yeah to market it and like kind of yeah. drive that style. Um yeah. but you don't have that actually. <laughs> <with your art. laughs> I mean, I saw within your illustrations you've changed quite a bit, like um your yeah. style. Yeah, you know, um there's a lot that's the same. Like I grew up with anime and manga and it's always been a huge influence on everything that I do. But um, you know. These days, honestly, like I still sketch and I draw and I paint a lot and it's a lot more like people meditating and sacred geometry and, um, you know, uh, more based on like Hindu and um, kind of ancient writings and teachings kind of like before they were gendered. And um, that kind of helps inspire me to like keep going, doing different things. Um, But honestly, the illustration really comes more into play when I'm needing to do uh, you know, make promotional stuff on Photoshop for myself or, um, you know, just create, like, there's always these little in-between things, create logos, um, do websites, like all that type of stuff all kind of ties in. But, um, I, I would like to paint a little bit more, but honestly, I've been having a really good time filmmaking and it reminds me a lot of that. And I'm actually about to start getting more into, um, like makeup and, and as far as I'm going to be working on a film, doing like a bunch of, um, old West people getting bloodied. And I love that kind of stuff. So that to me is really like, reminds me of how I used to paint because I used to paint a lot of violent shit. So, uh, you know, one of these days, though, I definitely think as I, uh, chill out, get a little more settled, uh, way, way out in the future there, I really would like to do a comic book again. Cause that's kind of where I started. So I want to yeah. end and yeah, yeah, where I want to yeah. keep uh, going. I have so many comics and <laughs> that I've, I've drawn. I just need a, you know, it's that extra step of, um, understanding, you know, just being able to let things go, oh, shit. <laughs> being able to yeah. let things go, um, and yeah. loving them for what they are, right? You know, exactly. Um, I've read upon, and this is what I was saying before we started. First off, there's the Joker right there. Baby. I was gonna oh. say, <laughs> I was oh. like, oh, we got a comic book, guys, right? Oh. And- <laughs> Takes one to know one. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty actually, much. Yeah, he knows a lot about comics. Nice, um, nice. But the thing is, you know, it's some people out there who have a talent and then you're like brownville, but there's nothing else that comes with it. It's like a hollowness. And when, when, before we got started, I'd say what I said about you. Um, I see that you have a big heart because are you you're helping some kind of like, I guess during this COVID, you was helping like a food drive or something like that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think that direct action and mutual aid is extremely important, especially right now. It's really sad that, um, a majority of like, I think it's like 30% of crowdfunders are just for medical bills. It's, it's terrible. Um, oh shit. Let me just say, nope. Um, turn that off. Apologies. Um, so yeah, I did a food drive, uh, during the winter. Uh, I worked with the, um, Denver Indian center, um, with my friend, uh, boundless warrior, uh, Miranda. She has, um, uh, she lives on a reservation out in Elizabeth and I've uh, done a sweat lodge with her. I've done some um, moon ceremonies and she's just been, 
um, a light in my life. So it was actually her drive that I was contributing to. I just get pretty excited about it. Um, you know, for me, like animal rescue is a huge deal. So I follow a lot of animal sanctuaries for my last big release, which I'm actually just about to release a music video for, but, um, I released last year called fire to the cages. It's all about, um, advocacy for animals and just kind of an introduction to the topic. It's a really expansive topic about the industrialization of, of lives. And, um, you know, it's, it's very strange, but, um, you know, my journey becoming vegan and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I released it, I actually did kind of like a, you know, I did like a lot Instagram live and then all the money that I made from that track, I distributed it evenly to the animal sanctuaries that I have relationships with. And so we chatted and I was like, Hey, is it okay if I like promote, you know, make a little video promoting your rescue, showing you what, showing people what you do. And, um, you know, like you, is it okay if I connect you with like my music? Are you comfortable? And they were like, hell yeah. Like then people that, that came back were like, thank you for, you know, speaking on this type of topic, especially in, um, hip hop, which is not, you know, like it's, it's always a rebellious, um, mm-hmm. integrative, you know, type of art, but at the same time, you don't really hear a lot about animal advocacy and, mm-hmm. and music, especially in hip hop, but it's, you know, I think, I think they match pretty well. <laughs> um, so that was kind of my, that's kind of a, a brief introduction to my relationship, um, with how I like to connect with other people, but ultimately, you know, um, being able to share love and, um, help people experience that through film, through music, through dance, that's really kind of what keeps me going. And when I hear people, you know, like friends, fans, whatever, like reaching out and just, uh, saying a difference that I made, even though like with the animal sanctuaries, I didn't like make a bunch of money, but just the fact that like we made this connection and I know going forward that only grows and, um, it's very, very rewarding. So it's, it's really, is my pleasure. That's yeah. Up. I mean, you drop, you drop seeds, so it doesn't, it's not about how much, but like, it's right, the, right. It's the energy that you put down into it. So that, exactly. I mean, obviously that's what's the most, that's the golden ticket, as I say. Right. Yeah. So, but like, um, and that's what every, everything you do, like it's any art that you do, it doesn't matter. Like if, if you're doing it from, your your passion and you're doing it from your heart then it doesn't matter like um for me like the it wasn't about the money (laughs) it wasn't about it was just about like producing this energy and this movement and like the love of the art in itself and it's like you can't even stop it a lot of the times and so it's like it's too good to share i'm saying like it's such a beautiful thing um when you're able to catch it and um and share with other people right like we, were, we would always joke about like we would tell people to steal our music <laughs> and it was that's like funny. like i don't care dude just like yeah well, no, that's, it. it's a new care. technique like, it's like, like bump it outside you know right? what i'm saying like he was always talking about that shit you know and, and like mortal technique bamboo like they had a really big impact on me mortal technique you know i, I started listening when i was like 11 nice. and the first song i ever heard was dance with the devil and that shit definitely changes the life of anybody nice. who oh. hears it and yeah. i was like that's a banger Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And honestly, like he, he also, I really respect the way he develops, like, you know, his perspectives and he'll kind of be like, yo, I know I talked about this a couple years ago, but that's bullshit. I've learned better. Right. Um, right. you know, and I've grown, I've definitely been learned t- trying to take a book from him. Most of his shows were benefit shows for like the children in Iran or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, uh, rage against the machine didn't charge like ticket. You know what I mean? Like, right, because right. they were like, fuck you. And I just, 
I feel like we do have a choice and we don't always have a choice like financially, but if you do, um, yeah, I'd like to try to. I think that a people, you you know, younger generations for you, telling people and having a substance that talks to the younger ones who are coming up right behind you with that dream that you had. Because, you know, the radio, no offense to the radio, but they don't play substance. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's in the 90s, they in the 80s, they play everybody's stuff. And mm-hmm. person who didn't have nothing to the person who has substance. substance. Right. Exactly. And I think with you doing this and continuing that um, tradition, you know, there's other people out there who's like, you know what? Instead of just going this route, I could go the route she's going yeah. and talk about my life. Thank you so much. That um, It was always kind of weird. Like Younger kids always looked up to me quite a lot. I always kind of stood out, especially in Colorado. But um, just to be able to have an opportunity to, to help people realize that there is more to music than that bullshit. And it is a really corrupt white supremacy-owned industry but at the same time there's so much autonomy now more than there's ever been so um like you said this is an interesting time and uh i think going forward it's like almost more important to really dedicate yourself to whatever you believe in whatever difference you want to make or whatever makes you happy and and gives you love and joy because then you have more to share with others um and of course Mm -hmm. yourself but yeah your hard work comes from your parents huh Yeah, yeah. My parents are very hard workers. Um, my mom grew up in Pasadena, California, um, kind of like she always described it, kind of like, you know, Japanese ghetto. And um, she just really, you know, she worked really hard. They didn't really grow up with a lot, but that, you know, um, grandpa was like, he made furniture and stuff and he was in the internment camps. And my grandma had a really difficult life um, immigrating you know, during World War II and just like not having a parent by the age of like 12 and having younger siblings she had to take care of. Like it was fucking nuts. Um, You know, and also she's my namesake. That's grandma Fuji, Fuji, so I get my name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we always like to chat. She's been very, very supportive of me. Um, How how old is she? She is, I think almost 90 right now. She's getting there and she is in Elk Grove and, um, you know, she's in memory care right now. So I actually ended up with her kitty cat, Scotty, which I love. I have mixed three in my house. Um, but, <laughs> but honestly, you know, it's just like the least I can do. She really is just such a loving person. And, um, uh, yeah. And then my mom, basically she, I think first went to nursing school. Cause she just heard that was like a good, like a good solid job. You can get work anywhere, do your shit. Um, and then eventually she got really interested in law and put herself through law school. Nice. Um, no help from nice. anybody for any of these things. Dang. And then go ahead, mama. Yeah. I mean, that's not even, and then now she, um, so after that, then she did some real estate, uh, for a little while just to kind of like help with the family and the past 10 years or so, she's actually been working on films, which is how I, I think, learned a lot about what? filmmaking because she was in film school and I was in high school and I'd always help her with projects. And um, nice. now, you know, it's so crazy, the timing of 
our conversation right now because I just finished editing a promotional campaign video for my mom, Stephen Spark. Um, we're shooting a short film in May, at the end of May. It's called Dirty Rotten Tofu and the Gohan Girls. And it's an yes. old West starring three Asian females. Um, <laughs> nice. And it's super badass. And it's like these women have been, you know, trafficked into prostitution. They're young and they're just like, you know, there's there's the riots going on. This is Yellow Para, height of Yellow Para, 1880s, like one of the biggest lynchings that just happened. There's just like Damn. hella people just getting pulled, you know, it's just riots in the streets. And uh, they just figured, you know, they figured out a way to leave. They uh, went on to Buffalo Bill's like Wild West show and he had all these martial artists that followed him to do the shows um were part of the shows that were often people of color like sitting bull um and you know not any oakley but she's a woman so these characters even though it's historical fantasy they actually do meet a lot of these people and learn from them so the short story is much shorter than that but that's a brief description and uh, i just ended up doing this promotional photo shoot video shoot um up in idaho springs like a couple weeks like maybe two weeks ago um so i got all the actors i made all the costumes i did all the makeup um i did the location um you know i shot it and i just finished editing it so i'm really proud of that but it's like many years in the process so i'm thankful for my mom because she wrote it and she is certainly dealing with her film you know Um, struggles you know got a lot of decisions to make it became a much bigger project than we yeah um, like so many amazing people from hollywood were like let's make this film and we were like what (laughs) how did it get off the floor wait wait wait, what how did it fly so um Yeah. Yeah. So basically my mom wrote this script and she started sending it into like script competitions to get it like reviewed, to try to like kind of figure out, is this something? And she won like a fair amount of awards. Um, She went to like story labs and like did all these writing workshops to kind of like figure out how to really write the script. And after that, um, she basically, I think just started trying to get a crew together and then, excuse me, um, it's, it's strange how it snowballed. It was just, okay, well, let's just look for a DP. Let's just, and then, you know, people would just come to her and I kept telling her it's the power of her writing and her story. Like, this is a dope story. Every time somebody hears it, they're like, what, huh? What is that? You know, I haven't seen that before. Asians were in the old West, but they're very rarely talked about. And if they're like, let's go chink out, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a good look. So it's not deep is what I'm saying. And, um, you know, we were there. So, uh, like, You know, it all started where my mom made her first documentary where she promised my great grandma that she would find like our great uncle who had passed away somewhere in like Wyoming in the ni- early 1900s. And we never knew what happened. We never like got a grave. So we just knew that he had passed away in like a mining accident. Damn. just knew his name so she took this trip there and like magical things started happening she started just talking to locals and then all of a sudden she ended up finding his grave and like mm-hmm. you know um learning and then she went to this photo studio that was in the, in the town and they actually had photos of his funeral like what who could have even it's crazy so, yeah it's wow. i don't know it's nuts and it's really s- sweet and sad because wow. you think wow like so many people died back then you would kind of assume it like you know especially if if they go there alone you don't know if they had friends but like from the way that the photos look there's like flowers and there's all these people it's like wow he was really loved like he had a life yeah. right you so questions because this is now you just made me think about something all right the asians i mean the blacks from back in the day and it lasted for a while because blacks used to be buried away from white people right 
Mm-hmm. And then I saw it with my own eyes in Missouri. That's where, where my okay. mom originated from. And okay. her mom was buried away. You know, they had all black ones. Not kept. Wasn't even kept. Yeah, totally so, different looking. So was the Asians buried just like that? I think from if what I understand, you know. yeah, typically like in these kind of so in Wyoming, a lot of these kind of like Midwestern plains, it's like they used to have all these Asian communities, but over time they've really dispersed. So my mom went with our Buddhist priest who goes to these little towns, does ceremonies for like the yearly anniversary of people's death. Like you have like a ceremony thing. I forget what it's called. I'm a bad Japanese person. <laughs> but um, yeah, so basically they were kind of grouped together, but I think that that is probably a mixture of racism and the natural like insular you know, demeanor that a lot of Asian communities typically have, which is like, they just really like to stick kind of to their group. And 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 being like American and also uh, mixed, that's not really something I have come across like in my own personal life. I'm, I'm not really that way, but um, especially back then. So I'm pretty sure the movie's called Dharma Road. And I'm pretty sure from the photos, if I remember, it was just a couple of Japanese ones. It was really small, but they were kind of grouped. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I know it's just, it is different though when it's like, were they made? You know what I mean? Were they allowed to? Or was it like something they chose? So I can't answer that. But it's, it's definitely an interesting question because, um, you know, along with Asians being back there, like the real cowboys were like, they start off like Mexican and black. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now they're like super white, obviously. But, um, right. you know, cowboys and cowgirls were definitely people who worked hard and had a had an interesting life back then right you know i hate to divert please this, but i am proud of you because you be a, a big very big demon say i i used to have well i have it still but um how did you get your depression under control yeah. because i i went through it I went through a, I was in that bunny hole, that bunny hole bad. And and it took wanting to get out of it because I'm seeing my friends succeed and they helped me out by doing the things. I'm like, I want that. So Mm -hmm. how did you get out of that depression? Thank you for asking. Um, It's actually something I do want to talk about just because it's been a pretty significant part of my life. My depression started when I was like a teenager and um, I was just straight up like trying to kill myself. I don't really have another way of saying that, but um, I was just really depressed. I didn't really know why nothing traumatic exactly happened, but I did learn that it is um, something that does run in my family. I do get it, you know, from my, from one of my parents, my mom and her grandma. And a lot of it, I, I believe is intergenerational trauma as well. Yeah, but um, like. yeah. Um, but also it was weird how it kind of just kicked in all of a sudden. So after, you know, I went to therapy, kind of just trying to deal with it myself. Um, you know, when I was in martial arts, a lot of my teachers were like, oh, just train more. And I was like, yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> it's like kinda. a lot of stuff going on. So finally, um, years later, when I was in college, I just had like a massive breakdown. And I was in the Bay and living in this tiny apartment Um and things were good. It's just, I don't know how things were good, I guess, but things were not necessarily so bad. But the issue was like, I did have trauma at that point. Um, and I, I hadn't addressed it, especially as a woman, like I was raped. I had, you know, um, an abusive boyfriend. These are two different people. So at that point, I wasn't even, call, I didn't know what to call it. I didn't feel like I should, you know, like there was all sorts of feelings, you know, shame and guilt and blah, blah, blah. So, um, 
that really like triggered my depression because I, I just couldn't talk about it to anybody, especially like my parents and stuff. So um, after I kind of just, I just had to be like, you know, uncle, like I just, I was like hysterically crying and I couldn't stop myself and nothing was really helping. So I said, you know what? I feel like I've done everything I possibly can by myself. I really do need help at this point. Cause like I have shit to do. I love music. I need to make this shit. And there's no fucking way I can do this <laughs> if I'm like this. So I just, um, I've always felt really comfortable. Um, or I've always felt like therapy has been very helpful for me. Um, talk therapy. So if you find somebody you really trust, obviously that's the key I've had yeah. some therapists that weren't so good, but when you find one that's really helpful, it made such a huge difference. And, um, I eventually got diagnosed and, um, got some medication at a very, um, uh, in, a, in a way that was comfortable for me. It took a while to find the right one, but um, I did. And I've been in remission for like, I don't know, um, maybe like five or 10 years at this point. Um, wow. So it's it's a slow process, but looking back, I'm like, damn, like I, I'm doing much better than I was. And my friends and family noticed, like I used to have hella anger problems, which is mm. funny because people these days are like, you? I'm like, yeah, I really used to go at it. But um, you can kind of tell in my rap still. But <laughs> no, yeah. you know, it comes out of that yeah, fire, which is it's the, it's the place fire. for it, though, you know, not at, not at time. people non-deserving. <laughs> so does it come so. back once in a while? Because, yeah, yeah, of you course. know, that's what you can yeah. bury it in. in but it sometimes is a trigger effect. Yeah, and it's. You know? I think instead of bearing, it's more like you're just healing and you're just like figuring out the right spiritual nutrition for yourself and right, digestion. Right. So, you know, I never feel like it's gone. Like I'm in remission, but it's not like it's gone. It's always there. Some days I have bad days, like especially, you know, the weird timing of this photo shoot with like these women and then of course like two like a week before i was shooting um you know those women were murdered in atlanta that was extremely triggering for me for all sorts of reasons wait, wait, um, what women what women is so a couple weeks ago in atlanta like six women and two men were shot uh, murdered this guy had this like really gross sexual fetishization of asian women oh, and yeah, he went right. to that this parlor and then right, right. just like shot them all and it was yeah. just you know having been fetishized like my entire life, I'm sure y'all can probably relate on that level. Um, it's, it was definitely triggering. So that was a hard couple of weeks. Like, I mean, it's always, it's not just that that happened. It's the reminder that this has always been a problem mm -hmm. and that I've been dealing with this my whole life and other people have been dealing with it. And, um, it's still very present and it's, it's really just a reminder of, um, how deep everything goes and that it's just an example of a, a much, much bigger problem. So, um, but I mean, to, to kind of deal with that, I gave myself a lot of time to grieve. I talked with friends, it's hard during COVID, but, um, I just kind of made it happen. And luckily I have some dope comrades who are like, Hey, if you ever feel unsafe, just let me know. I got your back. Like, you know, that makes a really big difference. I do seeing a lady, I live alone. Um, I can take care of myself. I always have, but you know, like things shit happens and I gotta, if I'm walking somewhere or this or that, I've certainly, um, been a been a target many times i mean i haven't been jumped or anything but there's a lot of times i was like very close and i yes, yeah. i got away and stuff but um yeah you just got to be on your toes people are it's crazy it's, world huh? it's a crazy it's world sucks. you know and uh asian women we all had different experiences just like every other race you know so i can't speak for everybody i just know how it affected me and you know i honestly just 
I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I just connected to my ancestors and I asked them and I got a lot of guidance and it was emotional. But even after the photo shoot, I was like, hey, can we just take a moment to kind of connect and thank all of our ancestors who just watched over this entire production to make it happen so that we could, um, you know, be a symbol of empowerment, you know, compared to, you know, being beat down or being subservient, which is like a a very common place for Asian women in film. Yeah. So did you have, um, I'm just curious because you've had a spiritual following for a while in that, I mean, obviously generational trauma is real and it, it comes out at the worst times. And how were you able to, the, what tools were you able to develop for the practice, for getting into the holes that, that come up, you know, like things come up, you go into these up peaks and valleys that, but now like, as we get older and more like, um, seasonal and and grasping more tools like to cope with certain traumas yeah what have you done I mean this is like a totally different this is like on no, a I level, love but I want to yeah. I want to talk about that yeah. um just to see how what what came up for you like what kind of tools yeah. that we were able to develop yeah no I'm, I'm honestly I, I love talking about this so um yeah no I <laughs> I think um Meditation has been something that like I put off for a really long time because I have a little bit of ADD and it was just like very hard for me to understand the connection of, of, I don't know. It was just hard for me. I think part of it was just my depression. And I was just like, I don't, I can't do this. But once I kind of got that under control, like, and I started, um, I mean, I've always like, you know, smoked a lot of weed for different reasons. Um, originally it was just like, you know, all the sorts of reasons why most people do chronic pain, can't sleep, anxiety, um, you know, to relax, um, you know, things like that. But it definitely became a tool for me spiritually as far as getting into a meditative space, respecting the plants and the earth. Um, you know, I mean, as well, I was like into the dabbing, but honestly, I went way back to just the flowers just because I really do feel like there's something sacred there and there's a lot of medicine. Um, but ultimately, you know, you, you got to have other tools. So um, kind of like I was saying earlier, like tarot has been a really big part of my life since I was young. Um, my auntie taught me and then I kind of just like didn't practice it. I just did it every once in a while. And the last couple of years, it's been like pretty much an everyday thing. It's just um, it's meditative. I connect to my ancestors. I get guidance from myself and others. And um for me, getting into that space and then afterwards, usually I like stretch and or dance. Like dancing is a great way for me to like get present in the moment. And I often like don't record it. I just want to do it for fun. So connecting with my body, I um also got really into yoki, which is a combination between like yoga and tai chi. Mm. And there's a couple people on YouTube that I found that um one lady in particular, I just you know, sometimes you just click with somebody. It's just like a teacher. And you know, the med- moving meditation is like very calming for me because it's that middle ground between dance and meditation where my mind can only think of so many things so if I'm thinking the breathing and the moving Mm -hmm. and the gesture it's not a lot of space for the other stuff right um you know and I would do like guided meditations a lot of the time people like oh is it bad that I do that I'm like no do whatever works for you man like the whole point is just finding what works for you yeah 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 you know finding the right tools exactly that um like leads me right into the next one it's like you're dancing so i mean i'm 
<laughs> like I've, I've been a dancer all my life. And so I've just never, I've like reached this point where I'm like, not as expressive as I used to be like since the Corona and like everything. And like, I went into DJing and that kind of like coincides with dancing and like, yeah, I was in a dance troupe and all of that. But like, um, you, <laughs> you have been very, very key and just, um, you expressing yourself through dance and you've been around, you've been dancing for a long time and like capoeira and martial arts and, um, and just freestyle. So I, I definitely want to tip my hat off to you for just expressing yourself. Cause not a lot of people are able to do that. And I, I understand the healing aspect of it, of just going and feeling the music or feeling your body like being in tune. It's like another level of being yeah, in tune. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's really easy, even in my own head when I was younger, especially to like downplay how vital dance is for me. And I don't know for everybody, but I do feel like movement is something that we don't prioritize as much now. And if it is, it's like just, you know, just to get it done, just to go to the workout and get the A exercise, A but A it's not B. exactly, but it's not like yeah. you're connecting to your, and Capoeira was like the closest I ever felt like to I think the way most people describe like church and stuff like that, you know right, what I mean? Right, you right. go in and like you're, you know, it's your family and right. you help so out and, and you thank people flow. for teaching you. Right. Yeah. There's tradition and the music and it just really, you know, and the freestyle. So that was like very integral I did that for about eight years. And I'm still very close Gosh. to a lot of those people just because like they just fam for life. And, um, uh, you know, master always said like, you know, when I was really depressed, I basically told him, I was like, I, I have to step away for a little while and I feel really guilty about it. And he was like, Capoeira will always be there. You know, you need to take care of yourself and that's important. It's not what he said to everybody, but, <laughs> you know, but I think for me, he understood. Um, so that was definitely important, but it taught me a lot about like improvisation because, you know, you're on the street, you're in the hall that, and you got to start singing at the top of your lungs. You've got no backup. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just got to do it. So <laughs> I know, especially back in the day when, uh, you remember when it was like a uh, street parties for oh, first yeah. Fridays. Cause yeah. I remember like I start, cause we went to the Y, uh, we trained at the YMC right next to that. So the first couple first Fridays were like two galleries. And then like within a week or two, like a two months, it was like fucking a mile street long. Parties, so my, parties. yeah. I'm like, how it bring us out. Like, you, you did that the back And I'm like this little tiny thing, this giant crowd. But then I start singing. Everybody's like, oh, shit. Like, what is she doing? So yeah, that was yeah. like, oh, shit, maybe I do. And, you know, with Capoeira, too, you learn the moves, right? But then you put them together yourself. And I think it's a lot like freestyle in general. Um, I guess it's more like a cypher because there's other people. <laughs> it's definitely but, a cypher. It's more like a, it's a language. Like you're exactly. talking, you're freestyling. It's like a, yeah, free, it's, it's always like a, a conversation. Yeah, it really is. Freestyle circle. Yeah. You're vibing with the other person and exactly. you're speaking a language. Yeah. It's just, totally. It's and it's, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, no, no, no. I, I, my bad interrupting. Yeah, you're no, you're I am feeling with, with everything we're talking about. I just didn't want to have this question in my head and then y'all move on to Yogi Bear or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go for it. with the Caprietta, like I, a long time ago, I learned about it. And I think it's like, I want to say Brazilian slaves yeah. learned yeah. how to do it. Exactly. Afro-Brazilian right. martial art dance. Right, right. Brought from Brazil, and, um, Africa to Brazil. So what made you choose that? See, I, I, I chose wrestling. Like, oh. that was my love. No, I'm just saying that was my love. Right? Yeah. Domingo, I don't want to throw him under the bus. I could be wrong, but he, basketball, you know, like, what made you say, you know what? Somebody's like, we got kung fu. Like, nah, 
We got karate. I know, right? Like, like, yeah. one, one non-Asian martial artist the one I choose, right? And like, a part of that, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, <laughs> that's a great that's question. That's a, that's a, when I learned that, and you could just take off like a rocket. When I learned that was Tekken 2. Was yeah. that one dude? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's oh, yeah. So that was like such a classic thing when I first. Oh, you know, like you know, do the thing. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, that definitely <laughs> opened up some doors because people knew about it, you know. And it's a really interesting challenge to try to do that in a video game because it's like doesn't make sense. But I, I played it. Shit, that was awesome. And and what cho- <laughs> what what got me to um, I was always like, this is bullshit. That's not an you know, it's like not a macaque, whatever, man. That's <laughs> a, a shitty Malua, but um. <laughs> But also, I was like, mad respect, you're here. Um, and all, all styles are different. So who am I to say? You know, what's yeah. correct in one school of, of capoeira might be very different. Like straight, like Ben, you know, uh, more. some people ask, is it more dance? Is it more fighting? And my answer has always been, um, it depends on your group, depends on your, your lineage oh. and how they teach you. Because some groups, it's like they're more fighters because they need it. They're focused on defending themselves. If you get in the hoda and you're somebody that just like you don't know and they're trying to kick your ass, you got to figure that shit out because it only takes like half a kick to like really seriously injure you because there's so much momentum with the the, mm. just, the moves and stuff um on the other hand there's people who are like yeah let's dance just like have a good time and uh the group i started training with and was with for a long time was uh, capoeira luanda with uh, mr jalon and um for me they were a really good balance it was probably like a 70 like i think we would say 50 50 but personally i felt like it was more like a 60 40 a little bit more um, he's now fighting, you know what I mean? A little faster. Um, but what really got me into, like, I started with regular Asian martial arts when I was younger, um, karate, karate, and, um, a couple others, but I liked how meditative they were, but they weren't like, (sighs) they didn't take themselves too serious. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like just the environment was, um, so different. And then I think discipline. Yeah, it was it was really disciplined, but it just wasn't like playful and it wasn't super social either. Yeah. It was like kind of you're just doing your your katas by yourself, which is great. Like and I I learned a lot about like just um my body and and self-awareness and um and katas and stuff. But when I found Capoeira, it was like a no-brainer. I mean, I've always loved dance and I just combined like my two loves of that. And I think that um, you know, also with the Brazilian culture, it's just so different from traditional Japanese and Asian cultures. And it's um, a lot more social and um, obviously not trying to speak on all Asian cultures or anything, but yeah. it just, from my experience, was a lot more enriching to all aspects Ooh. of my life. You make music, you learn the instruments, you learn the history. Um, obviously the history is very deep and um, and spiritual. And there's a lot of um, complexities to your relationship with Capoeira because it's different for everybody, um, you know, and, and there's some badass women who are doing their shit. And I, I had a lot of cool um, workshops with them in Oakland when I was there. And it just meant so much to me to see such badass women and men. And you never say fight capoeira, you know, you play capoeira, you thank the person who you're learning and teaching from, even if they're kind of like, maybe not so nice, whatever it is, it's like, thank you for playing with, you know what I mean? Thank so you humble. for that. And humble there's humble. a lot of, there's a lot of discipline in it, right? Right. Domingo's like, you know, it's, there's certain songs you can only play at certain times because the lyrics t- 
tell you what the situation is like. We got a master here. Let's celebrate. Or, or like, I'm going to kick your ass. You better hold on. Or like, Popo, we're coming. This is the this is the beat for that. Um, <laughs> just pretend to dance, everybody, because that's kind of how it started. It was like they were learning how to defend themselves. But then at the Mask Popo, came, they'd say, oh, I'm just dancing, yeah. you know. So it was it was hiding it through that. And I think that was really powerful. And yeah, um, yeah so kind of gives you an idea. <laughs> it's just very expressive. You know, I get to like really go out there and just um be the warrior i always felt like i was you know i just felt like yeah yeah there was a movie there was a movie with caparetta right there's there's a couple there's only the strong um yeah there it is there it is i forgot the name of it yeah yeah Yeah. no it's definitely it um one of my favorite martial artists he does capoeira although um he's more of like muay thai it's um tony ja i don't know if you guys know him but he's fucking badass he knows so many martial arts and the coolest thing about him is we see his movies not only is he um it's in thailand and he's like protecting elephants from like poachers and stuff which is all all of my lane but he does these crazy stunts and the way he described it is like when he saw hollywood films he didn't know there were wires so he just thought like hey these people are doing it i'm gonna learn how to do it so he learned how to do so many of these crazy things without wires that like everybody else would it's nuts he's a genius um doesn't usually have a lot of plot in the stories but he doesn't really need it some really long he this one scene where it was like he was going up like all these stairs of this giant thing it was one continuous shot and the behind the scenes said that it was the cameraman that actually had to like take breaks like tony job was kicking everybody's ass doing all the choreography but the cameraman was like struggling because it was you know it was Keep one up. continuous shot he's that, that badass so marshall is just it- like that isn't yeah. Tony Jaw the one who likes to throw elbows or, or yeah, Ma- yeah, yeah. Muay Thai yeah, yeah, is all about elbows and joints yeah, elbows. and knees. Yeah, the elephant. Whatever will fuck you up. Yeah. And yeah, he, it was cool. like he was saving the elephant in one of his movies. Yeah, save the elephants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. The protector, on Baktai warrior. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. 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 I know, so you know, I've you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's badass. He was nice. He's really yeah. nice. But I got a question. Three questions. And these are simple questions. Yeah. Four questions. Um, your top three, because you like anime at one oh, time. Okay. Oh, that's your bad. top three. You was all. I was like my top three, like musicians. I don't the know about that, but yeah, anime. Three I can do anime shows or movies. You could combine them. I don't care. Okay. Yeah. No, I got that. So I'm a little old school with it because it's just what I like. I mean, uh, so Berserk is my. One of my absolute faves. I got the the mark from it. Nice. This is my, my only anime tattoo. But this story has been going on since the year I was born, 89, and it's still going on now, 31 years later. This this guy has been writing it this entire time. It's this epic masterpiece. It's like medieval craziness. And um, I just fucking love it. So I saw the anime, and then um, it ended at like a really hilariously climactic moment. So you're like, what? Is this the end of the anime? <laughs> And then you read the manga, which is like, you know, I, I forget what volume we're on, but I think it's like 30 or 40 or something. Damn. And um, so that's like, it's just fucking gorgeous. One time we even thought the author had passed away because we hadn't gotten a chapter in so long. Turns out he was drawing a thousand soldiers by hand. So thank you, Kento Miura, showing us how it's done <laughs> oh old school. God. No technology. Nice. nice. Um, and then the second would be Battle Angel Lita. This was before all that shit in the movies, but... Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so I know it, it, there's a movie that came out, um, but I've been a fan of this and cosplaying her since I was like 
12. It's the first thing I cosplayed and it was also my last cosplay. So like my first one was like super like hilarious Halloween. And then by the end, I had like won awards for best construction stuff, anime expo yeah. and comic-con. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yes, I had my Damascus blade. That was, it was not an actual metal blade, but it was a working giant um, butterfly knife like she has. And um, yeah. yeah, man, it was like, that shit was fucking awesome. I, that's, I still love it. It's uh but um it was really really fun and so battle angel always has a really like it's just a special place in my heart the artwork and everything um yeah the anime is cool too but really it's just the comic books um and then the third one Ooh, that's hard. I'll, I think I'll go with Princess Mononoke for this one. Um, never heard obvious, of that. Oh, nice. <laughs> you've never heard of it? Are you no, joking? Oh, no. Wow. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I, yeah, I heard yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff. But you know Studio Ghibli, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's one of their older ones. It's. Re- it's I mean, one. it's it's, it's really is my favorite. It's yeah. um, it's it's. I can't even. I can't even say. It's basically like um. <sighs> she's a woman have you warrior. seen it? She's a she's a woman warrior, but there's like this uh this. Princess Mono- oh, Domingo got some knowledge with this. Go ahead, boy. Oh, yeah, I've seen yeah. it. I've seen it quite a quite a quite a lot a lot of times. Yeah, right. And there I'm was like, like this um like a mononoke disease. There was like this disease and like this virus that was okay. attacking, and it was related to like a demon. There was like a demon. So spell. it's always a demon. Basically, like they started uh, mining for iron, and they started industrializing it, and that caused a lot of issues because it was the colonization of a forest. So Princess Mononoke was a woman who was raised with the wolves, these giant fucking dire wolves, yeah. and um, you know, so basically there's the city, and then there's the forest, and the disease is the industrialization so the boar that was like this really sick crazy boar had a piece of iron in him that made it crazy. him go crazy and become a monster so it definitely is a metaphor for that and and mononoke hime um studio ghibli typically their stories are based off of like fairy tales or like some type of a story like Fork, you know from back then tale. folklore exactly so princess mononoke actually is like a folklore story from what i understand um but obviously then the main character uh, the other main character um who's also from a tribe that is rarely spoken about i believe if i remember correctly that they're talking about the ainu people who are the indigenous folks of japan before it's colonized and you definitely get um a short end of the stick as most indigenous people do um when it comes to that and um they're starting to get more representation now but if i remember correctly that is where ashitaka came from because they were like oh you're from like that mysterious like i thought you guys were all gone and you had like special bowls and that is a lot like um that culture so to me i just love all of that like everything i that's a cosplay i really 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 want to do (laughs) so that's you haven't done it yet yeah yeah i haven't i um actually really want to perform fire to the cages in princess mononoke cosplay because it's all about (laughs) fucking saving the animals and like fuck industrialization and stuff so yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) i would love that so sorry that's not a simpler answer but no no hey (laughs) the more you talk the more it is wonderful appreciate Um, all right because I'm, a, I have my two favorite animals. So it doesn't matter what my two favorite animals are. What but, are they though? Okay, I was Thank hoping you. you would ask that. But mine is the killer whale and the tiger. Oh, I love them, and I can tell you, I could talk about those two animals, about their background mm-hmm. and what they do. And cool. but, what are your, what's your favorite animal or animals? Plural. So. I definitely, um, 
I mean, I'll start with the red-tailed hawk. I actually got this this right. one for my um, last birthday, and I just always love them. Like, I, they're in Colorado. Well, I grew up watching them. They have significance in the spiritual world as well, but um, just being like messengers and and this and that. But I just always love them. So, so birds of prey have been big for me. Obviously, like big cats are probably the other thing. I mean, I got three here in my crew, but, um, <laughs> you know, and I love all animals so much. It's very hard for me to say, but... I just always kind of had that cat thing where, mm. you know, they're mysterious and they're like observers and they, yeah. they got their own world going on. And yeah. they're also they're kind of like on the border, yeah. border between like the ghost world and the human world. Mm-hmm. It's like very strange. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just feel like we get each other. Um, but uh, my mom always said, I remind her of like a panther because I'm like kind of by myself, Ooh. like, you know, sneaky and like kind of like. Planning. Wait, wait, wait. Do that again with the show. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's it's hard to choose, man. But I I guess those are the t- the top two that came to my mind. But I love them all. I love um, them. All. What's your what's since you like comic books? I got one more after this and Domingo. Run away with this after this. Um, your favorite comic book hero or comic book person that you dig the most that stands out to you it could be japanese it could be whatever but which one do you like the most Um, i mean the ones i mentioned were were important i think the ones that made really big differences in my life i'll say two i'm looking at my figures right now my action figures i'm like hmm um (laughs) spawn was a dope character i got a lot of spawn figures in my alley some some ferguson ones and so such a interesting dynamic character so rare and the movie like weirdly enough was fucking awesome and crazy and it just like you do not get those images out of your head (laughs) um i mean it's just such a i didn't grow up with as much american comics but Mm -hmm. that was one that like made a big impact just because it was that concept of like you know everybody's story um being a lot more complex than you would think. Also, like, who's right. the bad guy kind of thing. Right, um, right. He's like, yeah, he rolled between the good and the bad. So he's, yeah. like, in limbo right. almost. And, like, yeah. he had and trauma I'm like, I, and, like, death. Exactly. Like, like, classic superhero stuff. But right. at the same yeah. time, yeah, he's a black guy. Like, he's that's not man. something you see all the time. And it was really cool to see that. And, like, Blade was a really big, cool yeah. movie for me. I even was like, hey. you know, like she, my mom was like, who do you want to be for Halloween? I was like, I want to be like a female blade, and she was like, "What?" But that's she, bad. Man. She made me the costume. I was like 11 years old. Make a movie made... about that, mom. <laughs> you made and, one. Uh, you made a female blade. My my mom made me the costume. I was pretty young, and she was like, "Don't tell any. Like people are gonna, they don't tell them that you saw the movie because you're probably not supposed to have seen it." But she, I think she was wow. kind of proud that I wanted to do that. Um, so those characters, you know, were really cool. And then um, Ghost in the Shell was like nice i mean it's classic definitely fuck scarlett johansson for that one but um that aside i don't know if y'all know yeah 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 Yeah, but um yeah i mean that that movie i mean standalone complex was cool but the classic man that's for me like seeing an asian woman you know as the main character was a big deal um and then also it's still really applicable i think to us today because Mm -hmm. of like the relationship with technology um and all that yeah exactly it's 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 definitely um a story that that i stick close to so yeah let's say those guys (laughs) so dr domingo after this question please run away with it um (laughs) miss fuji 
this is because I heard you always say about movies. What is your favorite movie? Oh, oh man. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a TV show that's like a series because at this point, that's my life. Um, I mean, I, I do love movies too. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I can't think of like a specific Our The first thing that came to my mind- TV show. Yeah, I don't know why. I think the first thing that came to my mind was Deadwood. Um, it's an HBO mm. show from the yeah. 90s, 2000s. And great cast. Yeah, great cast. Great cast. Fucking, like, the dialogue was really, like, people say it's Shakespearean in the sense that it comes from a very different perspective back at the time where, like, your linguistics showed you how educated you were. There's no real other way to show who you were. Back then, it was, like, how you talked and how cool you, like, you know, and, and also showed how people like how intelligent you were um in the white world and i think um you know just the old west and they actually did have um a character that was asian and a couple they didn't they actually gave them way more screen time and concept mm. than most even though i don't think it's a it's still not great because it was like uh, there was like some stereotypes and some like you know, stuff that i was like i don't think they had Suspect. asians on set to to give their two cents but it was like the set the working set was amazing mm. and um so like i'll watch justified today you know these days because it's a modern western but they have like half of the cast of deadwood who just come in i'm like hey it's ellsworth like oh hey it's a southern. like i know all the cast you know and they get to live again and they all have like new stories so um <laughs> yeah that's that's i gotta you know i have that. so many shows but that that one was um that was when I used to watch like fairly, and I guess I'll also say Breaking Bad just because. Oh yes. I Breaking I just Bad. I will watch that like almost yearly just for the pure fun. I love it. It's just so yeah. good, and uh, yeah, enough said, man. Breaking Bad. It's Breaking uh, Bad is beautiful. It yeah. really is. Whenever I get need to get into editing and shit, I will definitely like colors yeah. or just like honestly storytelling in general. Yeah. Um, you talking about character development. That was the first yes, character arcs. Yeah. Like if you want to go on a history of character development, like that was the first one to my knowledge that from season one to season five or six, that the main character was never the same. Yeah. And I right, think it that changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very. And it was, it was an extreme show in a sense, but at the same time, it, illustrated each character like there's all these um essays like you know video essays that i watch on breaking bad characters like how yeah um like in each character and it breaks down um kind of the, the the group dynamics so um for example what was her name like the sister marie um she was walter white light which is basically like she had yeah. almost the same like reactions to thing that Walter does, but she just kind of like does light petty things. And then she also has Hank to like calm her down. Whereas like yeah. Skylar and him like just had all these issues. Um, but just, you know, all of the dynamics were very interesting to me and all the characters seemed to have a lot of depth and were really understated. Um, it was super tragic, obviously, but, um, right. oh, you know, I, I like El Camino. Did you guys like El Camino? It wasn't bad, you know. It was just like it, another episode, but yeah. <laughs> it was pretty yeah. awesome to have one. <laughs> here's, a, here's a little nerdy fact. Separate episode. Here's a little nerdy fact. They didn't want to hire um, Brian Grace, Grace Cranston. Cranston, because, well, they, they, I didn't say they don't want to hire him, but they was like, well, this is the dude from Malcolm, Malcolm in the in Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> 
Like, you know, and wholesome. Yeah, well, he was he wasn't extra wholesome in Malcolm in the Middle. Well, he was extra yes, wholesome. He was. He was really yeah, goofy. he was. He was just goofy was and cowardly and just very not Walter. Not Walter <laughs> at all. That, Maybe you know, Walter that, a long time ago. It reminds me of the Shield. Have you ever watched the Shield? I haven't a lot. I watched a little bit of it. I know it's uh, a lot of people really like it though. The guy who played the head guy. Um, he used to be on a show called The Commish. And it was more like goody, goody, commish. And so when they, somebody mentioned him and like, we'd like his audition, the head guy was like, well, he's from The Commish. I mean, really? And I heard Hank, he wasn't even really supposed to be in the script that much. Same with I didn't Jesse know Pinkman. That. Him and Jesse Pinkman were yeah, always Jesse supposed to be was. there for like two episodes, oh, one, wow. but they liked yeah. Hank so much because of his comedic you know, like obviously he was like annoyingly racist or whatever, but at the same time, his character was very entertaining to watch for a lot of situations. You know, the, the tension between him and Walter became like the ultimate mm-hmm. um, yeah. climactic moment of the entire right. season uh, yeah. show. So it was intense. That's I didn't know that about Hank though that he um that he was on the other thing where he was kind of more. What you were talking about? Which oh no no I was talking about um Walt. Oh, about, well, the, um, the head guy on Breaking oh, Bad. Oh, he was on Kamish. Oh. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no we're no, talking about the Shield. Guy. Yeah, the yeah, Shield. yeah. Yeah, they, they, the guy. Because I, when I moved back to California, I had nothing to do, and I was like, "Well, I can watch the Shield." Huh? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I did my little background check, and they were like, "Well, he was on the Kamish. Why, why do we want him to be this hardcore guy? Like, <laughs> he went from the Kamish, happy-go-lucky, to this, and I guess he." They but it's cool. It. It's like um, Ryan Murphy, who created Nip Tuck and Glee and, and American Horror Story, like their team is always saying like, you know, they'll do something really dramatic and serious and heavy, and then they'll do something really light afterwards. And mm-hmm. um, Brian Cranston said something very similar. He's like, well, after Malcolm in the Middle, I was really like, I basically could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to work for money at that point. So I wanted to do something really different because like I could have gotten typecasted as another dad, but I did that for like 10 years. Yeah, that's and, what I'm you saying. Know? Like, if but, you like, do those two Extremes, not everybody and that can opens up your yeah market. yeah yeah but it really it opens it up so it's like you know because i remember when breaking bad first came out like nobody was watching it people started watching around the third season third the, season yep yeah every, everything got picked up but for a while it was like best t- best show on tv and everybody was like brian cranston in a drama like the fuck yeah, you talking no, about he did never we'll never look at him the same yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. yeah i thought his career was gonna go down because he used to play Celebrity, celebrity poker after Malcolm in the Middle left, really? right? I didn't and know that. So I moved back to Georgia, being gone after like 10 years. So I'm back, and so there's celebrity poker. And there he is with everybody whose career is about to go downhill, right? Wanda Sykes is the host. And she did an excellent <laughs> I was job. Like, oh, that's yeah, and, and there he is. I'm like, well, that's the end of him. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Not knowing that what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, it just goes to show you. Never know what kind of talents people have until they get roles that kind of, you know, such good writing. I mean, the guy who did um, Breaking Bad, he he did a lot of X-Files episodes that I liked. And um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I just um, that show has is different, you know, different directors and different writers and stuff. But he did. And also Brian Cranston was on X-Files. So I think that's how they met, maybe. Or Mm. I don't know. know. He was also. The dentist on Seinfeld. 
Yes, he was. Oh, <laughs> oh it's so funny right. when you yeah, see. He the, he has the funniest with the bad, like with the bad jokes. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. He um <laughs> he will pop up in some pretty hilarious like older sitcoms all of a sudden, yeah. and it's uh it's pretty funny. It's like little did you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there um I want to kind of wrap this up into a nice pretty bow, but um thank you so much, Fuji. And um, is there anything you would like to promote for the next projects coming up? You have this film that you're about yeah, to do. So um, Dirty May. Rotten Tofu and the Gohan Girls um, at cowgirlsushi.net. You can check it out if you want to, um, you know, get more information, be a part of the production. Um, that is definitely something to watch out for. So we will actually be releasing that campaign video soon on social media, et cetera. Um, and then after that, I'm going to be releasing Fire to the Cages. And I shot that at the Wild Animal Sanctuary out here in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was pretty awesome to be there with them. They were very nice. So I'm excited to share that with you guys. And um, I just want what to thank platforms? you for having me. What oh, what platforms? Um, right now I'm on like Spotify and YouTube and all that stuff um, and iTunes. So when it does come out, it just kind of goes out on everything, if that makes sense. Um, so that'll probably be in the next month or so. Um, and then I'm just going to be like continuing making music videos and, and all that good stuff. But um, I did want to take a moment just, of course, thank you guys for being such amazing um, hosts and the hospitality. I have spent a lot of time missing the Bay Area. I lived there for 10 years and it's really always been my second home. I grew up going to Sacramento where I visit my family and we come back down to the Bay Area to visit. So, and people are always like, you're from here, right? And I was like, no, I'm from Colorado. They're like, okay. But um, <laughs> it always kind of made me feel like, you know, my mom grew up, all she spent like her, all of her twenties out in the Bay Area, like, like blocks from where I actually ended up living um, in Oakland. So just want to send all my love to all my Oakland people. I love you guys so much. All my San Francisco people. Um, it definitely made a huge difference in my life to, to spend time there. And I do want to make it back. I love Colorado for some things, but, um, I just something about Cali, man, it's got some magic to it. And, um, I just want to send you guys my love. I'm so, um, appreciative for guys' candor and your questions. I work really hard, but I, uh, don't always get an opportunity to like kind of share these details and nerd out. So I really had a great time. Oh, um, good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey, you're going to hate me for this and do not, please do not get mad at me when I say this, please <laughs> keep staying true to yourself because that one makes, oh. that one makes you all awesome, beautiful young woman. You know what I'm saying? So keep doing that. Yeah. You know, and, and keep fighting for whatever the, whatever you believe in and don't let everybody tell you, what not to believe in because this is, seems, I mean, it's not kicking nobody down. It seems like that's where everything's going and keep doing yeah. it. Yeah. Thank well, you, man. I, mean, I yeah, it's that goes right here. You wouldn't actually, this is why you're here <laughs> because of what you being true to yourself and your art. And like, that's, I wanted, we wanted to share that. And that's why you're here. And that's, we are. Don't make me that. cry. You're so nice. Like, you no. just always had the best vibes and you've always been so supportive of me. And it just, it's friends like you that really make me feel like I am, you know, like I know I'm on the right track, but that actually you guys are seeing and it can bring some happiness to your guys' life as well and inspiration because you guys do the same for me. And, uh, you know, just knowing that you guys even wanted me here was like, wow, all right. Yeah. That'd be dope. So, real shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. We love you. I love you guys too. <laughs> it was really nice to meet you too, man. I, I know we, yeah, but now it's like, yeah. no, no it was cool. It was cool. 
And, I, and you know what? I got lucky finding some shit like about you. And first, you because when he tells me about people, I'm just like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, I've been in the East Coast, <laughs> South, and West. Like, nobody really impresses me when he tells me I got somebody. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, dude, you got to meet this person. Whatever. To me, it's like, whatever. Until I read about a person. And first off, when I saw you, the first one I saw was the Walnut Room. Oh, yeah. That was was the lo-fi. That was the first thing I looked up. And that's the first thing that popped up. And I was like, okay, she got heart. She got heart. Look at her. She got heart. And then I start, <laughs> other things start coming. But when I really read upon you about you looking after other and given the statistic of the, the natives who don't have food coming in. Yeah, like food scarcity is huge. Right. I mean, it's like people don't realize they have like no support and they're suffering of COVID on like a much higher scale than any other community, really. And I love it. And you being an animal person. Like, I love animals. I'm, I love watching National Geographic, but you will never hear me out, Fuji. <laughs> you will never see me trying to pet <laughs> a tame lion or a tame tiger. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you really respect tigers and lions, you ain't going to pet them because they I'm never gonna up be that, that shit guy. anyway. So. Well, you won't see me trying to say, hey, there's a wild buffalo, bison buffalo, <laughs> Domingo. Let me go take a picture. You will never... Oh, yeah, but that's definitely I, me. <laughs> I love your heart and where is that? Thank you, man. I feel the same. I really get, like, the best vibes from you and your words. They go straight here. I really do, like, hear the – I feel the genuineness about it and hearing, like, you know, your experience and that I had that effect on you just uh, definitely definitely means a lot to me. Um, I do work really hard, so it's just super nice to connect with other people who are seeing what I'm doing and being like, hey, man, this is it, though. Like, you're helping people. And, um, you know, with food scarcity, it's, like, hard to feel like you're making a difference, um, especially with animal stuff. But I'm doing it. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Get that you're in the middle of it. You're doing it. And that's yeah. what's inspiring. So, yeah. yeah. You got it. You got it, woman. So thank you, you so it. much, Fuji. Thank you, Domingo. Thank you, DJ. Hella good. We're on it, and um, yeah, stay tuned for the next projects coming up for Fuji, and um, support, support, and show you love, Bay Hub Podcast. Bay Hub, baby. Yeah, Bay Hub Podcast. Thank you so much, y'all are dope. On the Bay, on the Bay, on the Bay Hub Podcast.